This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is a special New Orleans Investment Conference edition of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, this is episode 90. How are you today? Goodness gracious, I feel like I'm 90 after the year we've endured in 2020. How are you doing, Gerardo? Oh, Nick, Nick, I'm sorry. Uh, you have a fly on your head. I didn't want uh, minutes uh, to go by without anybody telling you because I care about you. Oh, well, uh, you got a fly swatter I can use? <laughs> Nick, it's been a hell of a year. It's been a hell of a week. A lot going on. I am incredibly excited to be with everybody again. I wish we were in person. As you all know, the New Orleans Investment Conference is by far my personal favorite conference to attend, um, both on the retail side and as a speaker. It's been that way for over a decade. I'd love to hear your take, Nick, on the conference, and then we can get into last year and why people are really here, how people can make some money in this new bull market. Well, we love New Orleans, of course. I've been to, to New Orleans many, many years running. And last year during this uh, segment, uh, which was a true uh, breakout session in the, in the Hilton New Orleans Riverside, as it has been for the past couple of years, um, we recorded an episode of uh, bizarre world, just like we're we're doing here, and it's it's sad not to be back in in that setting. You're you're right. That's the first thing I was I was thinking of today when when I was getting ready to record and I was setting up the software. It's it's certainly not the the same uh, ambiance and feel, and certainly we know that uh, that breakout hall or that exhibit hall is is one of the prime features of 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 the conference, and we won't get to. Uh, rub elbows or, or shake hands or do air high fives or whatever it is uh, this year. So we're going to miss that. And of course, going to miss the food, the, the oysters right there in Drago's itself or um, Cochon around the corner or La Boca for steak, which have become mm. um, staples, I know, of, of going to New Orleans uh, annually. So anyway, everyone misses all that. Sorry to, to drone on. How about you, Gerardo? You know, the same. I want to start off by, you know, sending all my best to everybody on the coast. They've been hammered repeatedly with back-to-back -back storms and potential hurricanes, and they're in the midst of one now. And so just, you know, thoughts and, and good energy to everybody out there. I can't wait to be in person next year and, and do this. But for the time being, I'm excited to be here. Let's get right into it, Nick. A couple of things before we start. You and I have a special announcement at the end that I hope everybody sticks around for. It's something that's important for you. It's important for me and hopefully important to all of you. But let's get to last year. You know, before we start giving advice and pulling out our crystal ball and telling people what we think is going to make them some money this year, I think people probably want some accountability. We're big on that. And, and you know, would want us to revisit what came out of our mouth last year, right? So let's get right into it. Um, we talked last year, gold was around the $1,500 level. The atmosphere was one of pessimism and skepticism, even amongst the robust crowd that we were able to generate near the end of the night. And we had the good fortune and the people were incredible. We had an after session, a Q&A, that probably lasted 35 to 45 minutes. And I wish we would have recorded that. There was a lot of really good banter during that session. But, you know, let's get right into where we started last year. People asked us immediately, listen, we're here every year, we pay money, we sit, 
You tell us about the bull case for precious metals. You tell us about the debasement of fiat currencies. You tell us about how confidence in government is dying. And yet here is gold stuck at 1500. And every year the juniors haven't done a thing. And so the biggest question was, when the heck are these juniors going to start moving? And by moving, they didn't mean downwards. They meant upwards, right? Sure. And so I'll let you take it from there, Nick. No, you were doing a great job. You should probably keep going. Um, but yeah, gold was was at fifteen hundred dollars, and 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 sentiment was like you said uh, a bit pessimistic. It was the beaten dog syndrome, as I had uh, started to call it back then. Right, we had been beaten down so many times, especially after the tease that was twenty sixteen, which in hindsight turns out to be the the start of the rekindling of the bull market. Um, but, you know, we didn't think we could get back there. And uh, frankly, some stocks still haven't, which we can talk about in a minute room for um, upside still. Um, but but that was just it. It was talk about the, the dollar and talk about the um, debt and talk about Europe, which is a much more interesting. There you go. Is a much more interesting conversation this year, given. Uh, the pandemic, and more importantly for the audience here, the response to that pandemic in terms of, um, well, we'll get into it, stimulus and, and money printing and, and, and many other things. And so um, you had said, Gerardo, because I went back and I listened to it, that the juniors were going to move in uh, Q1 because it was uh, tax law season and tax law season at the end of a bear market. And um, this was when you needed to start establishing positions for generational wealth creation opportunities because, um, you know, shares were being puked up at five and 10 and 20 cents on some some quality companies. Um, and not that the share price is indicative of the valuation. Of course, we can talk about that separately. Um, but you turned out to be uh, correct. And, and we'll put up some charts and, 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 and likely have at this point already once this is edited of. Um, when certain names started to, to, to break out, and it's been uh, quite the ride, uh, not just for the stocks, but for gold as well, having uh, taken out record highs, which is very important for the New Orleans Investment Conference, and now uh, sitting up several hundred dollars higher than it was when we convened at this time last year. Let's talk about some of those names. We talked Almond and Minerals last year. We talked Midas Gold. We talked Revival Gold. We talked Magna Gold, Taranga, and the lone stock in that on that list that hasn't quite performed yet, but is on the cusp of a major milestone, Azarga Uranium, right? And so I think, again, by the time you all watch this, without me having to recite the percentage moves, most of these names have doubled, tripled. In the case of Magna, I think it was trading somewhere along the 25 to 30 cent level at the time. And here it is sitting, you know, over $1.50 per share. And I joke with everybody that the next Magna Gold is Magna Gold because I think it has that much runway, right? And so we'll talk later on about how you can keep track of these companies and how you can get our insights and why we think these companies are headed higher. But, you know, the one underperformer has been Azarga Uranium. And let's get that out of the way. Um, they are on the cusp of what I believe is going to be a favorable permitting decision, meaning they'll get the final couple of permits they need to become an instant takeout target. The stock is frankly exactly where it was a year ago. So dead money, right? Let's call that what it is. We, we doubled and tripled and quadrupled um, in many cases your money with other stocks. But with the Zarga, it's just sat there. 
And the one market that I was wrong about this year and that many have been wrong about for many years. Forever. Forever is the uranium bull market, which, you know, frankly, still isn't here. And, and, and just like exploration and the budgets in the precious metal space pointed towards a clear bull market that was on the way, right? Mid-tiers and majors not having the ability to replenish that reserve base. They were going to need to get out there and start getting aggressive and investing in these juniors. And then the quality juniors that had quality properties and knew how to explore them and develop them were going to catch a bid. We called that pretty well. It hasn't yet happened in the uranium space, but I'm here to tell everybody it's coming and it will be worth the wait. And if you want some very good exposure with minimal risk via junior resource stock risk reward parameters, Azarga Uranium is an incredible speculation. So let's get the underperformer out of the way. Any thoughts on uh, Azarga, Mr. Hodge? I have a thought on Azarga and then I want to have uh, you answer something about uh, Almaden. And so um, not only uh, is the uranium space in a place where the majors, I mean, there's only one or two anyway, are out there, you know, exploring and, and, and JVing, but we're in a place where production curtailments are being mm-hmm. um, annou- announced and extended. And so um, this would be like, you know, not only if Barrick, you know, wasn't JVing or partnering or exploring, but if they were like, hey, we're just going to like curtail production, right? It's like the right. scenario you're facing in the, in the uranium space. And so um, a lot of play in there. I think sentiment has changed even among the most ardent uranium bulls in the past I hear I even gave a, a, a presentation earlier this year, though it feels like 10 years ago, again, given how 2020 has gone, where, you know, friends of ours like ALX Uranium was no longer ALX Uranium and what that means for uh, as far as an indication for a bottom of the uh, uranium space. And so um, Azarga, obviously a, a very high quality speculation being uh, one of the most prospective, if not the most prospective in-situ recovery uranium projects in uh, North America and the United States, obviously. And so uh, those are my thoughts on, on, on uh, Zarga. But, but let's talk about Almaden because actually when I, when I pulled the chart up, you said without mentioning percentages, but you know I put them all on the chart and I looked through them all, Gerardo. Um, Almaden, <laughs> Almaden had gone up 50% and came down a little bit, back to, to nearly flat. And, you know, I was also surprised to remember, because I forget things now, that we were talking about um, Almaden's permitting process being suspended uh, around this time last year and, and how we thought that um, it was going to be a short-term thing that hasn't turned out to be a short-term thing. But nonetheless, uh, I think the categorization of it hasn't changed in our minds in that um, it's not ma- material to Almaden in that it, the, the lawsuit is not about their property or their project. Um, and it's just now starting to be resolved. So I guess a couple of points and then just a good thing to talk about is things always take longer in the mining space than you ever think they're going to uh, take, whether that's we'll have results out in mid to late September, which is, you know, early to mid October, or we'll have our permit in whatever, 2018, which is 2020 or 2021. And so um, just that extended time horizon always seems to be par for the course uh, in in mining rather than the exception. And then, of course, um, a global pandemic also slows yeah, things that down. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so all that to say, and then I guess uh, I'll let you speak to Almaden, is that even with um, uh, 
the permit process suspended Almaden because of the quality of its asset and I would argue the the team and and other things that they've done leading up to this bull market is able to ascend 50% even while their um you know like I said permitting process is is suspended and then of course we had a little bit of a gold sell off here in the past uh, call it a month or whatever with dollar strengthening that took all gold equities down with them but um I wanted to talk about Almaden just for a second sorry for meandering no, no, important update. So the last time we talked Almaden at the New Orleans Investment Conference, the 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 fringe NGO, as I described it, had included Almaden in a lawsuit that basically challenged the constitutionality of the entire Mexican mining law. So if you saw who was defending against that, and, and they still are, it's the Mexican government, it's, um, uh, you know, the, the, the mining commission, the minister of the economy, it's, it's everybody who's anybody, every big institution in Mexico is pushing back against this. You know the direction that's going to go. Eventually it gets thrown out of court. And, and I think we finally are close to seeing that being resolved. So what's happened since then was a pandemic happened, which delayed the review of whether or not the local authority that would issue and review Almaden's permit had the authority to continue on with its review. Mind you, we were weeks away from a permitting decision when the review for Almaden's permit was stopped. And, and, and it was stopped because Semarnat wanted clarity from the Mexican government as to whether or not they were able to continue on with their duty to review the permit. The Mexican government and the lower court has now said absolutely you have a duty to review this back in your court, right? And that's where we're at now. So if we assume that the timeline that we had prior to the suspension of the review process kicks back in, we should be weeks away from a decision. And again, I've been to the property. I've spoken to the local community. I'm familiar with the Poliquins who, who had the management team there. Relations are excellent. The economic stimulus the project would bring is, is, is substantial and, and wanted um, support is overwhelming. And so I do believe the permitting decision will be favorable. And I think in very short order, and I've been saying this for years, we get a, a potential suitor step up, maybe an Agnico Eagle or somebody like that. It would fit very nicely in their portfolio, in its portfolio, right? And so I think Almaden is an incredible speculation. Um, the ruling for Semarnat to continue reviewing the permit decision is 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 official now and so now we just wait for seminar not to issue a a declaration and i think that's imminent that's why you write one of the best uh if not the best junior uh, resource newsletters out there because you follow all those details on uh, not just almaden but other companies as well where do you want to go next Gerardo? Um, let's go. You mentioned me being one of the best. I think there's a handful of people here that would probably disagree, but it's fun exchanging ideas and, and, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right? That's always the fun part. Let's talk one of your picks last year that no one believed in, Taranga. How'd that do? I know you had charts and spreadsheets and... Taranga's been doing quite well. It's <laughs> it's it's more than than doubled, um, close to tripled from the levels I mentioned it at uh, last year, and that's saying something because it was a bigger company than some of the other companies uh, we had talked about as well, and that it was a a, a small to mid sized producer, but it's uh, much bigger now. It was able to acquire an asset. We know that. Uh, Mark Bristow uh, over at Barrick through the Wrangell consolidation has made it clear that they want to shed assets that they don't consider uh, tier one. 
And uh, Tarango was able to be a beneficiary of that trend in the gold space to pick up uh, a producing mine that has great synergies with their uh, other assets in, in, in West Africa and is also having great exploration success at their asset called uh, Golden Hills. And so they're fast on their way to becoming a two, 300,000 ounce a year producer. And the market uh, responded to that in, in a very real way when I started telling followers of mine to buy Tarango around uh, $3. I'm sure they're happy now as it's soared well over 10 and closer to, to 15 at one point. It's good work if you can get it. And that brings me to, Ma to Magna Gold, right? And, um, you know, Magna's done extremely well. I think last year when we talked about it, it traded near the 25, 30 cent level. It's uh, near the dollar fifty level. And you mentioned Taranga becoming quickly, you know, on its way to being a two to 300,000 ounce a year producer. Um, I think Magna Gold is on its way to quickly becoming not only a two to 300,000 ounce per year gold producer, but also an exciting, exciting silver play. Um, the CEO Arturo Bonillas has done an incredible job of very quietly, so much so that he's behind on press releases. And I know this from reading the MDNAs. Um, he's done an incredible job of bringing in high grade, high quality Mexican silver properties past producing oftentimes that I think in short order, he's going to be able to either spin out into a separate company or bring someone in to manage the silver division of Magna Gold. And so as, as, as well as Magna has done for subscribers, it's an absolute buy at these levels. It's an absolute buy. And I can't wait to be back next time, this time next year, um, and talk about how Magna Gold did in light of a five or six fold increase the past year, right? Well, it's interesting because, and and this is why, you know, listening to people who follow these things chronically is important because, um, you know, at first Magna is a team story. They don't even have an asset, right? And we're going to go out and hunt for an asset. And then it's, okay, well, how do you value that? And then it's, okay, now Magna's got a couple of um, you know, high, highly prospective exploration assets in Mexico uh, that the team is familiar with. And how do we start looking at it from a from an exploration development standpoint? And then they come out and acquire San Francisco from a Leo Gold and immediately they have residual leech on the pads and they're talking about, uh, you know, updating the economic studies and, and putting out guidance. So you've gone from here's a company without an asset, <laughs> you know, <laughs> looking for an asset to a company with, multiple assets, including one that's in production uh, and about to grow. And now you're talking about satellite deposits and talking about uh, exploration here and how it's all self-funded. And so you have to really, um, at least this was my journey with Magna is, okay, here's the, the, the market capitalization now and here's what they've done, but here it is now and here's what they've done. And when you take a look at it, like you say, because they've moved so quickly, they haven't even been able to press release everything that is in the management discussion and analysis. Um, well, what is it worth now? And when I did that in, in the letter a couple of weeks ago, it's, you know, on paper, I can make a justification for a much higher uh, valuation, a much higher market capitalization than, than where it is now. And so um, you've got to be able to, to follow these things along and know that, um, you know, is selling foolish here? Has, has it reached maximum value for this uh, term based on the, the milestones they've achieved? And then, you know, looking down the road, uh, what's next and, and how much higher can can this thing go? Because you're right, back to Taranga, 
you got people balking at three dollars and four dollars and five dollars, right? And then Terang is a plus ten dollar stock, and so um, if you can see where it's going and you can communicate that clearly, and you can have the patience, quite frankly, uh, to hang on. Well, that's what makes for for outsized wins. You have to know why you bought it. You have to know if that's still true. You have to know where the next, you know, hundred million or fifty million or twenty million, depending on the size of the company and market cap value, is going to come from. And then you have to believe that the team is going to execute. So when I sit here and I take a company that you and I helped finance at 10 cents and recommend it at 25, 30 cents, and it sits here at $1.50, why do I have the confidence to say that I think next year I'll be sitting here and talking about a $3.50 to $5 company? Because I've seen the way the CEO and that team has executed up until now, and they've been very vocal about what 2021 has in store. And that's more M&A, more production, more exploration, all self-funded for the most part, by the way, and just an incredible share structure. So these things matter. Share structure, market cap, catalyst. You need the triggers. That's what takes companies higher. If you can't check a list off and you don't have the access to know how things are developing on the ground, you shouldn't be doing this for a living. It's incredibly risky. So the same confidence I have in the Almond and permitting situation, I absolutely have that for Magna Gold, which is one of my top picks again this year. I mean, there's only a couple left there that uh, we touched on last year that are also at least on my list this year. Did you want to keep going with the companies? We we have to talk Midas Gold, the company that sat at the 50 cent level. It seems like forever, right? Uh, yeah, I guess that, that's, that's mine to talk about. Um, you know, Midas, a, a lot of things here. Um, First of all, let's talk about John Paulson, right? Because, um, you know, he was um, instrumental to, to putting this deal together and, and keeping it uh, funded. And then, of course, you know, uh, Barrick has, has taken a significant chunk, but he was uh, came in John? and convert. Yeah, my buddy John <laughs> came in and, con- and he converted a lot of his warrants he did. Uh, uh, this year after the share price started to rise, which he's probably even more of my buddy for now. But anyway. Um, you know, and so what that tells you is um, it cleans up the share structure, which if you've heard us talk for uh, any number of years or in any number of public settings, we're always talking about share structure. And, right. you know, the share structure of Midas Gold was such that uh, John Paulson owned uh, a large percentage of the company on a fully diluted basis. But by converting those um, into shares, it streamlines the structure. And if you're thinking ahead, right, we were just talking about Magna and where it's going. If you're thinking ahead for where Midas is going, you know, cleaning up the share structure in that capacity is basically um, organizing it for sale, which we know uh, Midas would be once it receives its permit, um, which they're making much progress on as well. And so I should talk about that. Um, you know, they've got their draft environmental impact statement now, which it was a long time coming from the from the U.S. Forest Service and the consortium of agencies that are that are working on that. That's out there now. It's um, entering in an extended comment period, um, typically 45 days. I believe they've extended that to 60 days, if I'm not mistaken. And so um, either way, that's going to be ending here very soon. And and after that, it's a uh, it's a firm timeline into a, a final EIS and. Um, what people I think overlook, and maybe I'm reading it differently, is when you get that final uh, EIS, you also get a draft ROD. And the draft ROD is uh, very important because that's the record of decision. Um, and that's like the yes or no, right? And so 
uh, all those things uh, in combination, right? The, the permitting process moving forward, uh, which in turn, and the gold price going to record highs uh, combined with, you know, well done promotion of the stock and, and, and what Paulson's group did, you know, had led shares to move from that 50 cent level to the $2 level between, well, between like June and July. So um, that was very fast. Um, and, and and they've, of course, uh, pulled back a bit, but um, Midas a bit of a, a different beast in that we know what the asset is. Uh, it's sitting there. And if you paid attention to the story for any length of time, you know, uh, the superlatives that it brings as far as size and grade, but you also know that it's much bigger than it shows on mm. paper. Uh, and so the the permit coming is, is you know, the biggest catalyst, right? And, um, well, the fact that they're going to remediate the project and the fact that they're, you know, the first in Idaho to, to go through the process this way um, has just made it much uh, longer and contain many more headaches than anyone involved would have wanted. But uh, I think that's what has laid the groundwork for a successful uh, final EIS and, and record of decision because of the uh, benefits it brings, uh, to not only to the environment, but to the uh, local community. And if you had to add on just one more thing, it also has a, a critical element in antimony that we know um, global governments, especially the European Union and recently President Trump, have been more vocal about uh, as it relates to military preparations and, I don't know, something about turning all the cars electric or something. I, you know, I don't know. There's all <laughs> kind of stuff that we need, we need precious minerals for. A couple of quick points on Midas. Uh, people tend to call the permitting stage the boring period. Um, I'm, I'm going to counter that because, again, if you were out of the stock at 50 cents, in June, because you were bored, you missed the run from 50 cents to $2. And it's pulled back to the $1.45, $1.50 level. So let me explain to everyone what I believe is going to take it back above that $2 level. Not only do you have the ROD coming up, but immediately afterwards, it's that's going to coincide with a feasibility study that is going to, for the first time, be able to use higher gold prices than they've been able to demonstrate in the past. Obviously, there's going to be several variables there, but I believe you're going to see a higher valuation for that deposit. That's one. The second thing that'll happen after that is 2021 comes along rather quickly, hopefully, because 2020 seems like it's lasted forever. But once that permit is granted, if it hasn't been bought out yet, exploration can once again resume. And you and I have been to the property, I want to say multiple times together, right, Nick? Correct. Yes. Okay. Two Cessna rides and a little dancing involved. Anyhow, um, they flutter. The, they flutter those planes. They dance with the wind. They dance <laughs> with the wind. And, and and so listen, what Nick can tell you and has told you and what I can tell you and have told you is that the 6.6 .6 million ounces in reserve gold ounces that they've identified are the cusp of what's there. You can clearly see extensions and satellite deposits that could standalone deposits that could provide millions of ounces in additional reserves. That's going to have to be taken into account for any potential suitor. Think Barrick, who needs the type of mineralization that Stibnite can provide. And so do not be surprised if you get a higher gold price and offer to take it out, maybe multiple offers. And again, don't forget your friend John, um, he might not mind writing a check 
to keep others from coming in and taking this thing at three or four dollars. He may want to see just how many more millions of gold ounces are on the property. So this boring period, as people call it, is actually much like Almaden, an incredible opportunity, I believe, to add to your Midas holdings. And if you're new to this space, because a lot of you are, and think you've missed out because it's gone from 50 cents to $1.50, there's a lot of upside left and it can happen quickly as, as the past few months have demonstrated. You know what else is in play? Because I was talking to another gentleman who's in the the, the process of, of building a mine right now. And it's that um, a debt component is very attractive mm. given the current rates. Uh, and so it's not that that has to be uh, all uh, equity capex, right? And so um, just options on the table. And the low rate environment is probably a good segue to start talking about macro things, unless you, you, you want to do uh, Revival as well. No, a, a quick word on Revival, because, you know, I, I, I look at Revival as Midas's little cousin, also in Idaho. They do things the right way. It's a world-class team. Um, they're in the midst of drilling. By the time you view this, you'll likely be a day or two away from initial assays from the most current program, which sees three rigs turning at that project. And I think that Revival is doing a wonderful job following in the Midas footsteps of taking an asset, exploring it, growing it, and eventually permitting and monetizing it. And oh yeah, by the way, they may have a PEA by year end that outlines what a near-term production decision may look like economically. So a lot to look forward to with Revival. Oh, well, 100% uh, multiple uh, rigs turning and uh, just a very attractive past producing asset that comes uh, with infrastructure, etc. And so uh, let's do macro because we got a very big announcement to make and I'm just watching the minutes melt away here. So let's hit on the macro real quick and then we can get to the announcement. Let's do it. Um, some important points. Last year, we talked about what you and I saw in 2020 developing, and that was something that Martin Armstrong, Peter Bookvar, uh, Danielle DiMartino Booth, uh, Keith McCullough, among others, have, have, have talked about for quite some time, as have I. Um, and that's the move from public assets into private assets. And that's the move away from bonds, where now you have central banks around the world like the bitter of last resort, basically, right? Um, the move away from that into public assets, hard assets. You're seeing the flight from states like New York into places like Washington State, into states like Texas, where capital is being treated fairly and is being treated well. This is a trend that's going to accelerate because what we have right now is a full-out currency war. And you know we could go for another hour about negative yielding, debt around the world. We could go um, another hour about Europe and its pivot and its introduction, white papers about a digital euro. Um, it's how they are able to potentially tax everything and get rid of a large chunk of the underground economy that is tax evasive capital looking to evade. It's Europe's way of trying to capture capital that they see as fleeing because they see the writing on the wall because they've killed their bond market. I've always said the bond market is is kind of like the canary in the coal mine. You can see where capital is going to shift if you're paying attention to the moves in the bond market. So that's my brief macro rant because we do have a big announcement to get to, but it's not a coincidence that given the interest rate environment and given the fact that we are now a stimulus global economy, 
Um, it's a move to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom as far as currency goes. And that bodes extremely well for gold. I was showing off my cup here earlier. And, um, you know, don't don't sleep on the crypto part yet. They, there's some life there. Uh, I couldn't erase it, but there's some life there in, in some of the better crypto plays. So anything that's an alternative to fiat currencies and anything that screams, I don't trust the government, is, is, is going to catch a bid here in the next several years, I believe, in a major way. And you're seeing that pension funds, institutions, hedge funds, life insurance funds, people that never were allowed to speculate in the gold space are now having these discussions about diversifying. And again, it takes a small amount of capital into a small market to make a big difference, right? Absolutely. The the gold space is, is tiny, as tiny as, as it relates to the rest of the market and certainly the uh, the bond market at you know, a couple of trillion for gold to several uh, hundred trillion for the rest of the financial assets. Right. And so a move into the, the gold space, as we all know, doesn't uh, require a lot of capital uh, to move it. You mentioned pension funds. There's been some very public uh, announcements. You know, Ohio uh, announced they were going to allocate some of their uh, public pension funds to, to precious metals. And that's uh, going to be a, a cascade effect that echoes that sentiment you're saying about capital going where it's uh, treated best, whether that's the flight out of high tax jurisdictions or it's the flight from, uh, you know, uh, public assets like bonds into uh, gold. And then I think, you know, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on talking about uh, debts and, and money printing and stimulus because we all know that. Look, we're at uh, modern monetary theory. They just sent everybody $1,200 checks and more checks are likely on the way, um, if not before the election, certainly uh, right after it. And so you start to talk about the things that you always talk about when you make a, a bull case for gold, right? The debt being higher than the, the GDP and, and productivity, et cetera. All that is in play now. And what, what but all that has been in play. What the, the additional thing that's in play now is that other people were starting to look at gold, right? Because it's now made, we knew last year we were talking about golds at record high prices and all these other yeah. currencies, but now gold has hit record high prices in US dollars. And that's a uh, that's a big deal. It gets people looking at gold uh, who weren't before momentum traders or people that use screens or whatever it is, right? And so, um, and then to your crypto point, you know, we, I've said for years that these crypto people are, what are they, Gerardo? They're soldiers in training for soldiers the gold army. Soldiers in training for the gold army. <laughs> and so the gold army is is very much uh, forming. And, you know, it's you don't have to be Bitcoin or gold or you don't have to be crypto or gold. They are um, uh, bullish categories of assets for many overlapping reasons. And um, uh, yeah, we don't got to beat them anymore. It, it's here. You know, we talked last year about, you know, the last chance to get in place for uh, a generational uh, tr uh, generational transfer of assets. And uh, that's still very much in play. I said at the top of the half hour that, you know, if I look at some quality companies, they haven't yet ascended to their levels. They were at 2016 when, the, you know, the false start of the gold bull market was. And so, uh, take a look at, you know, some of the names that we've mentioned here and that you'll, of course, learn about in the in the rest of the conference. And um, as always, we'll be pounding on the keyboard and, and shaking our network, trying to find new ones and, and, and recommending them to our uh, readers, which I guess gets us to the uh, the big announcement here at the end. How should we do it? 
you know, let's do it the way we do everything. Let's do it honestly and let's let's do it um, transparently. Um, for the past, you know, since 2016, I've been fortunate enough to have been welcomed into a situation with the Outsider Club, which was founded um, and grown and developed by Mr. Nick Hodge. And I've been fortunate to write for a division in the Outsider Club that has never edited me, um, forced me to pick a stock, changed a pick. I've had free reign with the exception of a couple of Oxford commas and semicolons here and there. Other than that, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, as time goes on, we grow and our focus, and I, 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 I'll speak for Nick in this case, our focus has always been aligned with subscribers and it's always been transparent and we haven't gotten everything correct, but it's always been honest. We've always made ourselves available. We've always spoken directly to everyone and responded to every email that's ever come across my desk. And, you know, I, I, I wanna say thank you to you, Nick, for the opportunity with Outsider Club. Um, and then I, I, I would like to introduce you and give you the opportunity to talk about why I'm following you as founder now and CEO and president of Digest Publishing and Hodges family, Nick Hodges Family Office, which um, I should congratulate you for and I'm excited to join you on, and I look forward to many, many years of continuing to do what we did at the Outsider Club. I don't know if I'm all those things. It's like I'm chef cook and bottle washer over here. I don't know if uh, I, I can sustain that trajectory, but it's exciting to uh, be doing something together. It's exciting to be doing something uh, on our own. It's exciting to do something where uh, we have 100% control and can do it the way we want to, which we believe is the uh, right way. And it's it's exciting to to grow something that's uh, our own. And to that end, um, as Gerardo said, we're, we're launching Digest Publishing, which uh, you can find uh, daily free information at, at Resource Stock Digest. Uh, Gerardo will be doing his uh, interviews there with, um, you know, uh, thought and opinion leaders in the mining space and uh, executives of, of companies that we follow and, and help tell the stories of. And he'll, he'll be writing an editorial there as well. And, and I'll start publishing on Resource Stock Digest as well. I'll be publishing uh, weekly editorials. And in, in short order, we will have uh, our letters relaunched and they will take the same format um, as they've taken for the past years, 2016 for Gerardo, as he said, and in my case, goodness, since 2007. So um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have uh, launched Junior Resource Monthly for Gerardo and Junior Resource Trader. Uh, also for Gerardo is his uh, monthly and trading service. And then uh, I'm doing something called Hodge Family Office, where I'll uh, be presenting different branches of the office you can subscribe to for uh, monthly or, or weekly musings or all the way up to, uh, as I've been doing for the past couple of years, access to, to join me in, in, in private placements if you're a high net worth individual or otherwise meet the uh, accredited definition. So uh, very exciting times. I mean, we'll have logos and, and links up in this video and, and the related materials. And, and if you followed us, at all for a week or for for a decade um seek us out we'll make it easy um you know we'll we'll keep the light on for you as they say um and we hope to see you over at resource stock digest and again you can expect the same integrity the same research 
um, the same diligence, you know, the, the stuff that we take a lot of pride in delivering. And again, you know, we don't get them all right, but every now and then, as Mr. Hodge likes to say, you know, the blind squirrel tends to find a nut and it's been, uh, it's been more nuts lately than, 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 than in recent times there, Mr. Hodge. Well, don't go thinking you're smart in the bull market, Gerardo. Oh, I remember 2016 and I remember 2010 <laughs> and 2011. That's why we're going to work extra hard to make sure we take advantage of this window because everyone out there knows this is a cyclical business in space and you can do very, very well with the right macro backdrop and you could be the smartest person on the boat and lose people money. So it's a, it's a special window I think we have right now and one that we plan on working hard to, to, to help monetize for everybody and, and, and you know, ourselves. Nothing... Uh, Nothing wrong about making money in a space that, you know, rewards it. And, you know, we're looking forward to being able to hopefully do that with you guys. Absolutely. There's a lot of rewards to be had, especially over the next couple of years. And again, we're sorry we can't stay and do a little breakout session, a little Q&A. That's one of our favorite parts. Uh, and another favorite part of ours is then walking to the bar afterwards. And we can't do that either. So uh, next year, for sure, uh, we hope this was informative and we hope to catch you in some other venue or outlet out there. We appreciate you, you tuning in. In the meantime, write, write in if you have any questions. Um, go to resourcestockdigest.com, click on contact us. You can reach out to Nick and myself. We'll make sure to get back to you and um, stay safe out there. Great.